0: Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on July 14, 2013. Today's message is titled Working with God by Pastor Ryan Cochran and based on scripture, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to chapter 11, verses 13. Let's pray as we come and seek God in His Word. Lord, we thank you for your servant Luke, who recorded this great story of Martha and Mary and recorded these teachings to us about prayer. God, I pray that you would teach us today what it means to pray, and Lord, help us to enjoy prayer. In Christ's name, amen. So John Wesley was a great preacher and spiritual leader in Britain in the 18th century. And as he went about Britain planting churches and and equipping leaders, he was very intentional uh, about encouraging Christians to get together every week in small groups of three or four and to ask one another questions about their spiritual life. These groups were called holy clubs, holy clubs. And they became very famous throughout Britain at that time. And John Wesley wrote 22 different questions that he encouraged these groups to ask one another every time they met. And I just want to give you a sample of some of the questions. I won't read all 22, but I think I've written down seven or eight here. Uh, One question was, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Am I honest in all my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? Am I a slave to dress or friends or work or habits? Am I self conscious, self pitying, or self justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Do I pray about the money that I spend? Did I get to bed on time and get up on time? And one of them was, am I enjoying prayer? Can you imagine getting together with a group of three or four of your closest Christian friends every week and trying to answer these kinds of questions? very direct and pointed questions that these groups would ask one another about their spiritual life. And uh, for about 50 or 60 years, these uh, groups really spread throughout the country, and uh, there was a lot of revival uh, through this kind of self-engagement with one another. And a few years ago, the staff at Ebenezer were in the habit of asking two or three of John Wesley's Holy Club questions to one another during our staff meetings. And one of them that I remember us particularly talking about a lot was this last one that I mentioned. Are you enjoying prayer? Are you enjoying prayer? And for the most part, I think the answers that I gave over those months that we were doing that were most usually, well, I am praying every day, but I'm not sure if I can say that I'm enjoying it. In the last nine years, God has taught me a lot about prayer. And as I look back over my sermon notes over these years, I noticed that there was no other topic that I preached about more than prayer. And on one level, I was very encouraged by that. It is our first responsibility as Christians to pray. It's the primary way that we relate to God in, 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 our, in communion and fellowship with him. But on another level, I was very discouraged by recognizing this fact because I realize how far I have to go to live up to my own preaching. There's a level of spiritual maturity in prayer and growth and intimacy with God that enables someone to say, I enjoy prayer. I love prayer. And during my time as a pastor, there's been ways in which I've grown in that and ways that I can say, I enjoy prayer now more than I did nine years ago, and I enjoy prayer more now than I did a few weeks ago but I know that I still have a long ways to go before I can daily and consistently say, I am enjoying prayer. And this morning, I want to speak about a few things that I believe that God has taught me over these years about prayer, and I believe that God has been teaching our congregation about prayer over these years. We're going to be looking uh, over over Luke chapter 10 and Luke chapter 11, and I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles to that if you've closed them, Luke chapter 10 and Luke chapter 11. And there are really three questions that I want to explore today about prayer. The first question is this, why is it that so many of us find prayer so difficult? I've had hundreds of conversations with members of this congregation over the years about prayer, and some of you have shared with me your struggles, your frustrations, your difficulty with it. And so the first thing I want to do is I want to name one of the reasons that I experience in my own life and that I've heard other people say uh, that they find prayer difficult. One of those reasons. The second question I want to explore is this. Simply, what is prayer? What are we doing when we pray? There's certainly lots of answers to this question, but I want to answer that in one particular way today. The third question I want to look at is, what is God's purpose for us in our prayer life? What is God's purpose for us in our prayer life? We all know that it's important to pray, but what is God's purpose for us? What is God doing in us when we pray? So I want to look at these questions by looking at Luke chapter 10 and Luke chapter 11. So the first question, why is prayer so difficult? Why is prayer so difficult? A few years ago, I preached a sermon that I entitled, Prayer is Simple, but it is not easy. Prayer is simple, but it is not easy. I was pretty clever back then. Prayer is simple, but it is not easy. I think that we get uh, some answer to this question of what makes prayer difficult um, in the story of Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10. Martha and Mary were two of Jesus' followers. They probably spent some time following him and the other disciples around the Galilean countryside at times, but in this story, they had invited Jesus and his disciples into their home in order to extend hospitality to them, in order to provide for them and their ministry. And so Martha and Mary opened up their home to Jesus' disciples, and they now have at least 13 more people in their home. At least 13 more people who they have to care for, and there are a lot of preparations that have to be made when you have any amount of guests at all, let alone 13 guests that are now at your house. They have to prepare a lot of food. Uh, There was no ordering out the Chinese at that time. Um, They had a lot of food to prepare. Uh, They had to make sure that they had a place to sleep They had to do lots of things to make sure that things went okay as Jesus and his disciples were there. And you can imagine, Martha and Mary really wanted things to go well. This is Jesus coming to their house. They wanted to make sure that things went well. And so in this story, we find that Martha is very busy doing all of the things needed for their stay. She's doing all of the work, and Mary, most likely with everyone else in the house, is in the living room having a good time listening to Jesus while she is slaving away. And she becomes very frustrated, and she demands of Jesus, Jesus, get my sister at least to come and help me do all of this work. But but Jesus refuses to ask Mary to do that. Jesus says to Martha that Mary has chosen the better thing. This is an interesting story. As we read this story, I think that most of us, especially those of you in this room who are really hard workers, I think you have a lot of sympathy for Martha, don't you? A lot of sympathy for Martha in this story. Even if we understand what Jesus is about, what he was trying to teach Martha in this moment, it just doesn't seem very fair. So what is this story all about? Is this story saying that hard work is unimportant? Is Jesus saying that we all should just kind of become monks and nuns and kind of retreat away to uh, the contemplative life and retreat to our prayer closets 24 hours a day? Is this what Jesus is saying? I don't think that it is, and there are two things that I want us to notice from this story. First is that Luke tells us that Martha was distracted, By all the preparations that had to be made. And secondly, we need to pay attention to exactly what Jesus says to Martha in order to understand what's going on. Jesus says to Martha in this story, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. The contrast between Martha and Mary is not that Martha was doing a lot of work and that Mary was not. The contrast between Martha and Mary is that Martha was worried and concerned about many things. Jesus is not speaking against hard work. Just earlier in Luke chapter 10, he has sent out 72 of his disciples to do really hard and challenging and difficult work. Jesus is not against us doing work for the kingdom of God. But in his conversation, Jesus' calm and gentle rebuke of Martha is because she was distracted, worried and concerned about many things. Jesus said that she was distracted when there was only one thing that she needed to be concerned about. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Mary's posture Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him reflected her understanding that there was only one thing that she needed to be concerned about. It reflected that she only needed to be concerned about whether or not she was dependent on Jesus. Mary at the feet of Jesus is a picture, an image of a disciple. Martha's problem was not that she was working, What Jesus says that Martha's problem was is that she was worried and upset about a lot of different things. She was distracted from the one thing that was most important. I think that this story gives us some insight into why many of us find prayer so difficult. It's because you and I live very distracted lives. This is, at least for me, the biggest struggle for me in my own prayer life. When I sit down or when I kneel down to pray, I begin my prayers talking with God. And for a few minutes, I'm doing okay. I'm talking with God about the things that are on my mind. I'm praising Him for who He is or giving Him thanks for things in my life. And then, all of a sudden, I find myself thinking about some problem that I need to fix. I begin praying maybe for one of you, And then all of a sudden I start thinking about the to-do list that I have. Or maybe if I'm praying uh, about one of you, I think, well, what could I do in order to uh, help this person? I begin praying and all of the worries and cares of my day start to flood into my mind. And I feel like, I feel like in that moment as I pray, I'm sometimes able to fight this, but I usually struggle with this, that I feel like I'm not doing anything when I'm praying, that I'm not accomplishing anything, and I start to feel like it would be better for me in that moment to get up off of my knees or to get up off of the couch and to go and solve that problem or write out my to-do list or go and send that email. Prayer is supposed to be that moment when we acknowledge that we are most dependent on God. But when we are praying, the distractions of our life don't disappear. We don't forget about them. As a matter of fact, in prayer, our hearts and our minds become quiet. And it's so in that moment that all of those distractions start pouring into our head. We begin remembering all kinds of things that are going on in our life when we're praying because we're quiet. And so it feels like we're just sitting there. And so our distracted hearts make us feel like we need to get up and do something about it. But it is in that moment when the distraction and frustrations of our life are there in our minds, that's when we need to be most like Mary. Recognizing that if our distractions and our frustrations are going to be solved in any way that honors God, are going to be solved in any way that has kingdom significance, then God himself is the one who is going to need to solve the problem. Martha's problem was not that she was working. It's that she was distracted, worried, and upset about many things. She felt compelled that her problems were up to her to solve, and she forgot that Jesus was even there at all. Prayer is difficult for me, and I think for many of us, because we are distracted people distracted by the worries and cares of our life, distracted by uh, the technology and entertainment around us. We are distracted. We are distracted people, and we forget that we are called to sit at the feet of Jesus and to be there with him. For me, any success that I have had in overcoming distractedness in prayer has happened to me as I've come to understand more deeply what prayer is. And this is the second question that I want to explore today. What is prayer? For me, coming to a deeper understanding of what prayer is has helped me to overcome some of these distractions. And while I still have a long way to go in order to focus and to be present with God in prayer, this feeling that I have when I pray that I really need to get up and do something um, has really been overcome when I've understood what prayer really is. And this is how I have come to define prayer. Prayer is a dependent child making requests of their father. Prayer is a dependent child making requests of his father. One person who's really helped me in this area is a teacher named Dallas Willard. In a book he wrote called The Divine Conspiracy, he has some great suggestions for us about understanding ourselves as children coming to our Father with requests. Prayer is primarily about us coming to God and making requests of Him. There is great power in a request. When you make a request of someone, you are asking them to enter into some kind of relationship with you in order to accomplish something that you couldn't accomplish on your own. When we come to another person and ask them to do something, when we request something from them, we are asking them to enter into a relationship with us in order to make something possible that wasn't possible if the request wasn't made. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Think about a very simple thing like stopping and asking for directions. Stubborn and prideful husbands listen up. Think about a simple thing like stopping and asking for directions. If you are lost in a strange city, you do not know where you're going, what should you do? You should stop and ask for directions. Make a request for directions. How do I get to the zoo? How do I get to the zoo? In that moment when you stop at the gas station and ask that attendant, how do I get to the zoo? you are making a request of this gas station attendant, and in that moment, you are coming into a relationship together to accomplish something that you weren't going to be able to accomplish on your own, how to get to the zoo. Simply by stopping and making a request of someone is a moment where we are entering into a relationship with someone who has resources that we don't have in this moment, the ability to get to the zoo, And we are asking them to help us accomplish something that we could not accomplish if we didn't have the humility to make the request. One of the things that has helped me in my prayer life is to remember that prayer is basically making requests of our Heavenly Father. When we pray, we are coming to God and are entering into a relationship with Him, the one who has every resource's every resource that we need, every resource available to him to accomplish anything good for us. And we are coming to him and asking him to accomplish something that we could not accomplish on our own strength. Now, I've often heard people criticize the idea that when we go to prayer, that we shouldn't always just be asking things of him. And I think I've made that same criticism of myself and other people. And I think the thought behind this is good. It's encourage- uh, we need to be able to praise God and to give thanks to God and to confess our sins to God. There are lots of other things that happen in prayer, of course. And to be sure, it's very important that we don't fall into seeing God as some sort of heavenly Santa Claus, that we come and we're always asking things from him. But it's interesting to me that when we look at how Jesus instructs his disciples to pray, he always talks about making requests of our Heavenly Father. And he does it without apology. Prayer is about making requests of our Heavenly Father. Consider the Lord's Prayer. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Uh, I'll start at verse 2. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father. And then the rest of this is all requests. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins and lead us not into temptation. Requests of God. And then after teaching his disciples about prayer, giving them this prayer, he tells them a parable. And what is this parable about? It's a parable about one man going to another man and making a request he tells this story of a man who receives a surprise visitor in the middle of the night. In this story, a friend has a surprise visitor, and he knows that he must extend hospitality to him. But he realizes he doesn't have the resources that he needs in order to extend hospitality to this friend of his. And so, what does he do? He goes and he asks his friend, his neighbor, to help him, to help him accomplish something that he could not accomplish on his own. And so he goes to his friend's house and he asks him for bread. It's in the middle of the night. His friend doesn't want to give it to him, but he asks for bread. And eventually, because of his boldness, Jesus says, the man receives what he needs. Now if we think about this story, and if we think about this man who is going to make this request, there's a lot of points along the way where he could have decided, you know what, it's not worth it to make this request. My friend who has come is just going to have to be hungry for the evening and we'll figure something out in the morning. At some point, any point along the way, he could have decided not to go and make the request. And could have had good reasons not to make the request. Maybe he just would have been too proud, not humble enough to make the request and admit that he had something in need uh, that he was in need for something. Maybe once he got to the door, he could have said, you know what, I bet you my friend is asleep and all of his children are asleep. If I knock on this door, I'm going to wake everybody up. I'm going to bother everybody. And at that point, he could have turned back and went home. But the point of this story is that this man, despite having many excuses for not making the request, he went and he made the request anyways. And because of his boldness, he got what he needed. Something was accomplished that he was not able to accomplish on his own. This parable shows the power of a request. Jesus' parable here tells us to consider our own relationships with other human beings. When we request something of somebody, we enter into a relationship with someone, we give them an opportunity to, to know our need and give them an opportunity to respond in whatever way they may be able to. Jesus is telling us that this is what prayer is like. Prayer is like a dependent person who is not able to accomplish something on their own strength, going to their father who has every resource that we can imagine and asking him to help us accomplish the task prayer is asking God for what we need. And we enter into a relationship with God when we make requests of him, when we come to him with the things that concern us about our own life, about the lives of those around us, and we ask him to bring his infinite and powerful resources to the task so that along with him we can see something accomplished that we could not accomplish on our own. This has helped me in my own distractedness. When I have that moment, when I feel like there is so much for me to do, that it would actually be better for me, better for the situation, for me to get up off of my knees or to get up off of the couch and to go and to do some work on my own in order to accomplish this thing. But this understanding of prayer being this invitation from God to come and to ask of him the things that are on our heart has helped me to see that that to-do list, that problem that is in front of me, that I have access to God's infinite and powerful resources. And the best thing for me to do in that moment is to stay there on my knees and to pray. I have a long way to go in this understanding of prayer, But this is what has helped me to stay in prayer as I find myself very distracted. The third thing that I want to talk about today is what is God's purpose for us in our prayer? Why has he created this thing called prayer? And why has he invited us to come with him and to make these kinds of requests of him? Very simply, God's purpose for our prayer is to bring us into relationship with him. God teaches us to come in prayer and to make requests of him. But why is that? Doesn't God already know what we need? Can't God, without our prayers, without our requests, simply bring his infinite resources to us in our time of need? Why has he called us and invited us into this thing called prayer? The answer to those questions is, of course, yes. He knows what we need. Of course, he can and often does bring his infinite resources to us even when we don't pray for them. But God's purpose for our prayers, I want to say to you, is not ultimately that we accomplish these things, accomplish these tasks. God's purpose for our prayers is that we would be in relationship with him. God already knows what we need, and yet over and over again he instructs us to pray about making requests so that we will come to him and enter into this real relationship with him. Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus uses the image of a child coming to a father and making requests of him. And then he says this very curious thing at the end about God giving the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Because we pray to a good, heavenly Father, He will give us the things that we ask for, very often. He will give us the things that we ask for if it is what we need. But what Jesus says here is that those who come to the Father, dependent like a child, receive something far beyond, even more than what they could ask for. They receive His presence, His Holy Spirit. The idea behind verse 13 is not that the Father gives the Holy Spirit specifically only for those who ask for the Spirit, although of course he does. The idea is that God gives the Spirit to all of those who come with him, come to him over and over again in a dependent-like spirit. To those who come to the Father with all kinds of requests, requests for bread, requests for an egg, requests for some need to be met, when we come to our Heavenly Father with the dependent spirit of a child, the Father grants us the gift of his presence, the gift of his spirit. The promise in these verses is that those who come to the Father, he will give his personal presence. As we come to him with the requests that are on our heart, we come to know and enjoy the presence of God. Jesus says that our Heavenly Father already knows what we need, but we are to come to him and make these requests of him because in that act, we are expressing our dependence on God. In that act, we are putting ourselves in a position to be in a relationship with him, We are putting ourselves in a position where we are saying, I know that I do not have everything that I need. I know that I'm poor and needy and that I need you, Father. And it is that attitude that enables us to be in a real relationship with God. Are you enjoying prayer? Are you enjoying prayer? I am learning to enjoy prayer by recognizing the great power that comes from understanding that I am a needy and dependent child who is invited to come to my Heavenly Father, who has every resource that I need for my good, and to ask Him to come and work with me to accomplish something, to accomplish anything that I can't accomplish on my own. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks that you have invited us into this kind of relationship with you. Lord, a relationship that reminds us that we need to be humble. It places us in in a posture like being on our knees, reminding us that we are dependent on you. And I thank you, God, that you respond to us in our prayers. Yes, by giving us the things that we ask for, but going above and beyond that and giving us your presence, your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray that you would teach us how to pray and that you would teach us, Lord, to enjoy prayer. Amen.